So the main thing I want to point at is that people need to focus on bringing their apartments into apartment communities. That's where you can have the happy residents and get the business reward at the same time. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam, AAA Adams. And today I am just so excited to have Pratima Sharma on the podcast. Pratima is an asset management expert and it's something that obviously gets missed quite a bit as we are going through and, and learning how to, to buy apartments. We, we learn a lot about how do you find these deals, Adam? How do you, how do you find a good deal? And, um, and then we learn how do you raise the money? I need to know how to raise the money. And people spend a lot of time learning how to find deals. They learn, take a lot of time learning how to raise the money, but we don't spend nearly enough time on asset management. And so asset management is something that really seems to go off by the wayside. And then, and then new apartment syndicators jump in, they close the deal, they raise the money, and then it falls apart and they lose a ton of money from their passive investors because they weren't prepared. They weren't ready. They didn't do what we're talking about today and what Pratima Sharma has been able to perfect. So a little bit about Pratima before we jump into the podcast. She is a real estate professional with multifamily leadership experience in buying, in asset management, in refinancing, and selling, and actually closing and going full circle on these properties. Real estate transactions for her amount to a little over $80 million with about $6 million in, in cash payouts. Uh, she's a financing expert with nationwide lenders, um, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, as well as local banks. She strives to produce quality work, and she does such a great job at it, um, processing great communication skills, uh, knowing exactly how to deal with difficult people in situations confidently, and communicate, and excuse me, and communicating uh, technologies and tools that she can use within what she's doing. So I learned a lot when um, when Pratima and I recorded this. So I'm actually sharing a little bit of this info after the fact, and then we're splicing it in to put it in the beginning because it was so uh, remarkable. This episode is is extremely remarkable, and it's the type of episode that um, can benefit all of us in our businesses. So it's something that I'll definitely listen to more than one times. Pratima's vision, her vision with Seven Seas Holding. Now that's that's the name of her company. Seven Seas Holdings is to lead properties and enjoy them as an investor. So for that reason, she's built a very strong, diverse team where it's not just her with asset management skills. Her team consists of members including brokers, lenders, banks, uh, talented attorneys, and of course, an experienced property management company and a supportive long-term uh, key principal and passive investor list. A list of people that can join her on these deals. Key principals, these are people that actually sign on the loan 
they have high net worth and they sign on the loan and they get a small piece of the GP, but they don't have to do a lot of work. So she's built uh, a group, a list of these key principals that can sign on these loans where they get value by having a really good property manager or asset manager. And she's got these passive investors raised tons and tons of money from passive investors to, to go forth into what she's doing. Pratima, what are some of the key tasks that an asset manager needs to do? Well, we are very hands-on on asset management. And asset management means that's the key to the asset performance, right? One needs to be hands-on with asset management and from acquisition to disposition needs to be involved at all facets and in all phases of multifamily life cycle and ecosystem, right? So asset management is not just looking over your management staff, but ensure that all the strategic systems are in place. Strategize leasing, you want to make sure that all the accounting systems are in place. Uh, in today's world, we use rent manager or resman. That is one area of asset management. Then so the, uh, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, and I do want to hear the other parts. Um, but already what I'm see- sensing is, is the way that you manage properties isn't the way that some of the folks who are listening to the show think that they're going to manage properties. And what I mean is, it sounds like you're all about being hands-on. One of the key tasks an asset manager needs to do is, is be hands-on. And other people are thinking to themselves, I thought this was supposed to be passive income. So um, I just wanted to point that out, that maybe that's one of the key things that differentiates you from the normal everyday syndicator out there that are not hitting their targets. Um, what other keys did, did you have for an asset manager? So not only just the asset, you want to make sure that the residents are satisfied, that your residential communities are thriving, right? That is what makes the difference. This results in excelled property value. You know, your, your well-managed properties with optimum rents and happy residents. And happy residents. Okay. So is that, is that important? I mean, if you're running a, a management, is it, is it supposed to be all business? Or are you supposed to have a, a community of, of happy residents? Is it all business or is it, is, it, is it all about the people? What would you say? It is both. You need to have a cohesion among the two. Okay. All right. Love it. Love it. So one thing uh, that I wanted to ask you is just kind of give me uh, an example of how your assets have performed. What, what, what would you say? Um, you, you've been managing properties for quite a while. So how, how have yours performed? I'll put you right on the hot seat right here right now. Sure, Adam. So we have met or beat our projections so far. Let me give you an example. You know, we took over our very first property 
to a full circle from acquisition to refinance and then we sold it. It was a 55 door property. We bought, uh, we brought on a full-time manager as opposed to a part-time manager hmm. in order to. That's interesting with the 55 unit. Right, that was the need in that sub-market mm -hmm. and the, the type of distress um, asset it was. It was very much needed. And then we provided much needed upgrades to our residents. For example, in that sub-market, getting a microwave in your unit was a big plus. LED lights to reduce the electricity cost, surveillance cameras, pergola and grills to provide that amenity to that set of residents made what a big kind difference. Of grill? What, what was that? A, 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 a pergola. Uh, pergola grill. Right. Okay. I'll a, have to look a, that up. It, it's the pergola and the, the gazebo, in other words, you can oh, say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay, but, cool. So uh, kind of like a place where they can, um, they can come together, uh, mm -hmm. maybe picnic tables, stuff like that in the middle of the in the middle of the community exactly okay They've, okay got yeah. it a pergola yeah. i know exactly what you're saying now i know what a pergola <laughs> is i'm sorry i thought you were it was a brand name of a of a grill i apologize keep keep going i want to keep i want to keep hearing you no problem so with all these changes the occupancy increased from 82 percent to 98 percent and Holy throughout cow. throughout the five years we kept the occupancy in 97 to 100% range. In fact, there were some residents there who were living for 22 years. They just loved that community and they continued to stay with us. Um, so we knew how to, how to make those residents happier and continue to reside in the community after we took over. They were very, very happy and brought on, referred more of their friends to then, you know, take over 82% to 98%. And once we sold it after refinancing, the full circle gave us 560% return in five years. So that's, that's, if you put in a hundred grand, you basically made a hundred and five or something like this, hundred and five, hundred and ten thousand dollars, hundred and ten grand every year. Exactly. Each and every year. Each and every year. Well, that's team. good. That's good. I, if I if I was going to get something like that, I would invest in it for sure. So Absolutely. that's so that's that's you. I remember you said that this is your golden goose. This is like the ultimate yeah. like holy grail that yes. um, we want to strive for. And um, of course the market conditions uh, ha are one thing that can help you, the listener, to be able to be more effective in your projections. And what I mean by that is that there's a lot of people right now today that are going into areas that they're basically chasing a return. Okay, so they're going and buying this thing, and they say, I really need to have a 7 cap or an 8 cap or a 10 or 12 cap. They're, they're focused on this cap rate more than they're focused on anything else, and they're going into markets that don't have excellent market fundamentals. And I always say this story. 
if you pick the right market and the right team and the right property, then you are in an airplane that has a tailwind. It's pushing and propelling you to go further faster. So if, if the airplane is putting out 500 miles per hour effort, um, if you're in the right market, it's like you're getting that extra 200 miles per hour. So you're really traveling at 700 miles per hour. But if you go into a market that doesn't have these same fundamentals, which some other people are going into right now. So if you're thinking about passively investing, I want you to be cautious of thinking, does this market actually have the correct fundamentals for me to be looking at? Or is the operator going to be trying to travel at 500 miles per hour, but actually has a headwind of 200 miles per hour, and they're only moving at 300 miles per hour? So it's very, very interesting. And I know this was in DFW? Yes, that is correct. DFW has been crushing it, like just been yes. crushing it. So not only was she doing everything right, but she was doing everything right in the right market at the right time. So timing's super, super important. And you have you've disposed, uh, you've sold two different properties. Is that accurate? That is correct. So the other property that you sold in 2018, how how did that one perform? That one we did uh, purchase and and sold within two years, no refinance. It was short time, and the total returns were 200 percent. Okay, so if I put in a hundred grand. Two years later, I would have had three hundred grand. Correct. Oh my gosh! All right. So what we need to do now is we need to figure out if you've ever had a challenge. Did you ever like in asset management? Did you ever have a challenge that you had to face within your asset management role? Yes, there are challenges every day. It you know you look at these returns, and it's not always this glorious story. We reach to that glory after crossing through multiple challenges. And let me a great example from day one, before we acquired a property, uh, in this case, um, we saved several hundred thousand dollars in penalty during closing of one of our properties. So imagine this, eight days left for closing. On a Friday afternoon, 3 p.m., get a call from our lender saying that they have discovered that Texas Department of Transportation has a easement work. In other words, eminent domain. And we struggle to learn that word eminent domain. What does that mean? Well, eminent domain is the right of a government to take private property for public use with payment of compensation. So now, Texas Department of Transportation had a project to add a sound barrier next to the highway in between the highway and our property. Lender said, well, this requires a new survey and we weren't aware of it. The seller never informed us about this prior to purchasing. We had big time bound rate lock uh, you know, situation where if we didn't close the property by next Friday, we were going to have a penalty of more than 300,000. So we got our ducks together, arranged for a uh, survey over the weekend. 
on Monday the survey got done, it costed us $25,000, but we saved $300,000. The best part is because seller had not informed us, we got seller to pay the $25,000. So the team calls it a 911 response mm -hmm. over the weekend and we still closed on time and saved our team or ourselves those more than $300,000 in penalty. I want to hear more stories and I know the listeners like wants to hear the problems that have happened. I mean, especially to you who've, who've been able to overcome them so they can kind of start to go to that next spot. So I'd love to keep going with just any issues that you've had with your own assets that you've overcome and or maybe just thinking about some issues that other people had as you took over the property and corrected them in within your own apartment communities. Yes, absolutely. Um, we have tons of stories to share. I'll share um, this one with you. We purchased two years ago a Lura property. Lura stands for Land Use Restrictive uh, Agreement. So these are low-income families and this was a distressed property totally. So we put in $2 million in upgrades and not only the upgrades to the property, we put in the work to build a better community. And what I mean by that is that we revitalized a student center. We paired up with YMCA to provide after school and summer school uh, program. When we took over, they had a student center that was just a big distressed room, had dim lights, had chalkboard, had broken furniture, dirty kitchen, dingy bathroom, on and on, right? We upgraded that student center over the weekend. We put in new flooring, LED lights with fans, white board, new furniture, and ample shelving for their books. Uh, we remodeled the bathroom and the kitchen. And for the kids, we added a TV, a computer to help with their homework, as well as a printer. Then the kids came on Monday afternoon from the school. They were totally shocked. And some of them cried with joy. In the end, we got more than 40 handwritten notes from these kids, and that was our reward. Wow, that's really cool. I like that. I love that story. So Lura, it means Land Use Restriction Agreement. Restrictive Agreement, yes. Restrictive Agreement, and, I, and um, this is something that's big in Texas. I've never purchased a Lura property before, but I hear about them a lot. Um, in in general, they are lower income, and so you agree when you're buying Allura, a land uh, land use restrictive agreement property. You agree that you can't raise the rents above some some certain number. Is that correct? That is correct. And so that's important for the listener to to understand what this could be, because Sometimes as we go and buy a property, 
that in the middle of a you know a downtown city like DFW, Denver, whatever, um, we can say, well, you know, the normal rents in this area are eleven hundred or sixteen hundred or whatever, um, and this Lura or some other type of rent um, uh, ceiling is going to block it at eight hundred or or twelve hundred. And so as we're creating our projections of a property that has one of these restrictions, rent restrictions, we are unable to obtain certain um, thresholds that we would feel would be obvious within the city. But if we didn't notice that you can't, you can't raise the rents above a certain number – this is something where you could start really losing money. So as you go and purchase your next property, this is to anybody listening right now, as you go and purchase your next property, one of the few things that you want to add to your due diligence checklist is going to be understanding if they have things like this in place. Is that is that right, Pratima? Do you think if, if someone missed a, that there was a Lura uh, on a property, you think they might be able to miss some some income there? Absolutely. But you need to do that due diligence up front. And Lura properties, we have had two Lura properties. Hmm. We made the known decision. So as you're saying, Lura is quite famous in, in DFW. There is Lura also in uh, Denver uh, that one of our uh, Lura consultants actually lives in Denver. She mm. guides us from there. So we, we make sure that we have support uh, from the consultants on what we need and that the Lura rents are not going to impact us from raising the rents after we put in our upgrades. So far, what we have seen is that Lura rents are above the the market rents. So your Lura rents are here, your market rents are here, and your property rents are here. So you upgrade your units, mm. you meet the market, you do not touch the ceiling of Lura rent. If that okay. is the case, then it is a win-win situation. Okay. Because you have then very loyal residents. Mm. These are low-income families. They are looking for a good place to live. And as long as you provide it, there is high rate of renewals, and that's what makes you win in the end. Super interesting. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for covering that. Sure. Um, I want to what I what I want to ask next is for somebody who's about to buy their first apartment community. Maybe they've done a bunch of single family flips. They feel like su successful there. They might have a couple of rentals, and they they're ready for the challenge. They're ready to go purchase um, one of these larger properties. What are the things that they would have to do with their property management? What is that relationship between asset manager and property manager? Because they're going to be buying this, and I think maybe they're afraid of how far do they go? I mean, am I micromanaging the manager? Or am I, you know, am I taking a step back? Am I trying to live on the property? What does it look like, the relationship between asset manager, that's you, and your property manager, 
whoever you've hired to oversee the property day in and day out? Great question, uh, Adam. So need to have that relationship built from the very beginning with your property manager. Need to make sure that we put together the budget. We both agree on the budget and so that they can execute on that budget. Make sure in the beginning that you put the strategies together. So how do you want leasing? What sort of credit check or background check would they do? Would they take the second time offense people? Is that, is that something that works with you? What is your goal of physical occupancy versus economic occupancy? And can, as long as- Can you actually define what you just said? Um, physical occupancy yes. and economic occupancy. Now, what's the difference? What do they mean? So physical occupancy is how many units are rented. So say 97%, then 97% units are, are occupied, 3% are vacant. Your delinquency or economic occupancy is based on how much rent is due at the beginning of the month and what you actually were able to collect. So Okay, so so if, if if somebody is going to buy a property and the seller says the occupancy is ninety five percent, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're collecting the ninety five percent of potential rent. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And okay. we always, always, when we go in the market, when we are looking at a property, we don't look at physical occupancy as much. That is our secondary check. First one is the economic occupancy, because that tells you what the financials are, where you need to put focus in order to bring the property up. Would you, if there are, for example, say economic occupancy is only 80%. Now you know that 20% of the residents on that property, you need to take an action. Either you're not going to renew because they are not good paying residents, or you need to teach them you know, that they need to pay on time or pay the late fees. Got it, got it, got it. Um, I, I want to ask just on some of your, I don't know if I've heard, uh, you address this part yet. Um, you've talked a lot about how you've been able to increase retention through building more of a community. You know, it's not just a building anymore. Now it's a community of, of living and breathing people. The one thing that I want to pull out or extract from you is a few of the ways that you've been able to increase the income on the property through um, supplementary ways of pulling in money. For instance, pet rents or laundry or something like that that you were able to add and kind of just tell us how you implemented that strategy to increase um, your overall income without 
without um, just touching the rental amount. Yes, great. So one of the very easy ones to do when you take over a property is the reserve parking income. It doesn't require you to construct anything or upgrade anything if someone is, or the current seller is not taking advantage of having reserve parking, which everybody loves, you start that. In Texas, recently we have been getting a lot of hails. So covered parking has become, you know, very famous and that provides you even bigger revenue when it comes to reserve parking. Okay, I love that. And and I really like the thought around reserved parking. People want that that feeling of I always get to park here and I always can find my car. I hate that when I go to the um, grocery store and I'm like, where did I park? Or or I go to the airport and then and when I get home, I'm like, how do, well, why do I always do this? I can't remember where I parked. But if you're at your apartment community, you live there, and one day you have to park on this side, the other day you have to park on this side, you're ready to get to work, that can get a little bit frustrating. But having the pride of saying, this is my spot, this is where I am, and always being able to have know exactly where you're going, that can be very valuable to somebody. My favorite part is that if you're going to pay for anything out of pocket, it's a tiny bit of labor and some paint to put reserved, you know, number one, number two, and then you can start collecting revenue. How much do you charge for the reserve parking spaces? So 25 to $35 for reserve parking. Per month or? Per month. Per month. So, so let's just, how many, like if you have, uh, let's just, for easy math, you've got 100 units. And... Um, if you're going to do reserve parking for a 100-unit apartment community, how many reserve spaces might you be um, adding to the community? So about 35 to 40%. Okay. So let's just say you do 40 of them and you do them all for 30 bucks a month. I'm just going to pull out my calculator to understand uh, a little bit of the math and share it with the listener. So... Um, 40% times mm -hmm. the $35, um, is $1,400 times the whole year is 16,000 more dollars. And all you had to do is paint, paint some, a number and, uh, divide that by what's the cap rate in, in the areas right now. Is it like a six cap or 5.5% is 5. Okay, divided by 0. 0.055 equals $300,000 in $305,000 because you painted a couple of spaces. So don't take that lightly. Uh, these little itty-bitty tips and tricks that Pratima is sharing right now, it's no wonder on one of her properties she gave 560% to her investors. On another one she gave over 200% uh, to her investors. Um, it's because she's doing all of these small little things. Um, so 
that you like you said that was a simple one and sometimes you can do covered parking as well because of the hail or they just might not want snow or rain on their car they just washed it i always I, it's always with me like i don't know how to to tell you when it's going to snow or when it's going to rain but i guarantee it will snow or rain the day after i wash my car so it gets frustrating when you've washed your car to think, ah, I'm just going to have to do this again tomorrow because for some reason it always happens. I would pay a good amount of money to know that I, if I was at an apartment community, to know that I could just park under there and skip the rain and wash the car less and also right. skip the hail because those hail claims are, are, are fun ones. Any others that you want to touch on before we hop off today's call? So unit upgrades is another one. A simple thing like adding a microwave. And some of these B minus C class type properties, those residents, it's a big thing for them to have a microwave at the property. That simple addition, like you can get a microwave for $150 from Home Depot, will get you a 65 to $90 in rent increase per month. It's a very simple thing. Your in-house maintenance can do it. You do not need to get a contractor to come help you with that. Wow. That is insane. It's like it, you pay for the microwave every month. Every you, month. You, you almost 10, 10x the microwave. And then on a, on a cap rate of 5.5%, of if you were able to do that on a hundred units, and even if you you said you could get sixty five to ninety bucks, but even if it was only fifty bucks, fifty times a hundred is five thousand, I think. Then multiply by twelve months is sixty thousand a year, and then divide it by a half uh, cap rate is one point two million dollars. I think. I mean, I'm not using my calculator, but I, I think that you you just you pay a little bit of money in microwaves that get paid off by the by the second month. And um, and your whole property value went up by a million bucks. That's that's there's some cool tips, tricks and strategies here. Um, I'm going to at the end of the episode, I'm going to find out how the listener can find you, how they can get a hold of you. Um, but before we do that, I want to get just a couple more tips or tricks or strategies that you've been using that you know the listener can use in their own business and start making a ton of money. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought you'd be further along financially by now? If so, you're not alone. Many people find themselves wanting to ditch their 9 to 5, wishing they had more time with their family. What most people want is to simply live the life that they choose and with plenty of money to do so. The good news is you can live an abundant life through apartment investing. Mark and Tamil Kenny with Think Multifamily help you take back the time and freedom so that you can live free from the stresses that burden so many. Through multifamily investing, they teach you how to set your family up for a lifetime of true success and fulfillment. They have helped hundreds of people just like you. Patrick, for example, who since working with Think Multifamily has purchased over 900 units with another 850 under contract and at 27 years old, was able to quit his demanding job in corporate America. Regardless of your age or profession, Think Multifamily can help you create the life of your dreams. As hosts of the new Think Multifamily podcast, 
Mark and Tamil will walk you through the journey step-by-step to make sure you are completely set up for success. Through this interview-style podcast, you will gain a proven strategic apartment investing system and hear stories from successful investors, all to help you be light years ahead of those who try to do it alone. Subscribe to the Think Multifamily podcast today at thinkmultifamily.com forward slash podcast. So the main thing I want to point at is that people need to focus on bringing their apartments into apartment communities. That's where you can have the happy residents and get the business reward at the same time. So how do they do that? I mean, what just if that's the focus and I love that that's kind of your parting advice, just make sure that you turn it into a community and I could not agree more. I couldn't agree more. Well, I agree 100%. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I agree with you all the way. You got to be focused on the community. Um, So what's like one tangible thing that can change the feeling for the tenant or the resident of I live in a building versus I live in a community? Sure. So as I had uh, shared earlier that we partner with YMCA for kids at our properties. There are adults also there, right? So we care for the health of our residents by providing them educational training on healthy living and by working with local medical professionals and hospitals to offer crucial health care and screenings to our community. Another thing that we do is we arrange for English as a second language classes for residents to break down communication barriers. Um, these are just some of the many things that we do. So we are focused on the full community, not just kids, adults as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for going into that. Pratima Sharma, my friend, how does the listener find you or get a hold of you? The best way is to email us. And my email is 7Cs, that is you spell out the number s-e-v-e-n-s-e-a-s at seven c's h-l-d short for holdings at dot com so seven c's at seven c's h-l-d dot com awesome and if you're listening right now and uh you missed any part of that or you were not sure if you had it don't worry it's right in the show notes scroll down right now and her email is going to be there you can reach out to pratima right away uh pratima is amazing to have you on the show and covering something we don't always get to cover. And this is like the secret sauce of being successful in larger multifamily. I mean, all of these tips, tricks, and strategies, I'm going to implement better in my business just from speaking with you today. So I'm grateful. Thank you so much. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, my friend, being outside. Thanks for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. If you got value out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you take the time to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Until next time, think outcast. If you